guys. I'm proud of the church. It was really good. It felt, it felt good. Like there was something else. More than what we could see with our eyes was taking place. And I, I left here really excited, really excited, and um, for a lot of reasons. But I want you to know that. And so I'm very hopeful. And I felt today as we were singing, too, that we were, there is a, um, there's a scripture verse that says that Jesus looked out over Jerusalem and he cried and he wept over Jerusalem. Y'all, y'all remember this? Why, why was he crying for Jerusalem? He's like, you've stoned the prophets and the people and the voice of the people I sent you and you wouldn't come near me when I wanted you. I wanted to pull you like a mother hen would gather her chicks under her wings and, and be that protector and, and, and provider for her, for, for, for you, but you wouldn't let me. And so he wept over Jerusalem. And so this morning, as we were singing, I was thinking about the neighborhood and I felt like, and I don't like starting with what's wrong because I don't like starting there, but I haven't started there. But I asked the Lord, what's wrong with the neighborhood? What's going on? And he says, she's scared to come to me as the mother hen. She's scared. She's scared to respond. And so, Father, right now, I pray that you would help our neighborhood, the people in our neighborhood, the souls that have been burned, they've been abused. Many of them have been abused by family. Many of them have been abused by church. Many of them have been abused by people in their own house right now. And they're scared to let people in. They feel like people have an agenda. They feel people have a a manipulative reason for encountering them or speaking to them or wanting to know them. And God, I ask that you would help us as a church to be part of the healing process for our community where people aren't afraid to let you in. (laughs) We break down the barrier right now. Jesus, you're the peace. You broke down every wall that divides. You broke the wall between Jew and Gentile, between male and female, between those who were slaves and those who were free. You broke down every one of those walls. And God, I ask right now, that your son Jesus would break down every wall that divides the neighborhood and bring peace in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good. If you want to open to Exodus 25, we're going to we're going to do something a little bit different again today, which is fun. Different is good, right? So we'll be in Exodus 25, but we'll also be in Hebrews chapter 9. And uh, so Exodus 25 and Hebrews 9. So let's start here in Exodus 25. Verse 10. Exodus 25, verse 10. And this is God giving them instructions, all right? He says, They shall construct an ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, and one and a half cubits wide, and a half cubits high. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and out you shall overlay it. And you shall make a gold molding around it. You shall cast four rings for it and fasten them 
on its four feet. And the two rings shall be on one side of it and two rings on the other side of it. And you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark with them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be removed from it. You shall put into the ark of the testimony which I shall give you. What did he call it? The ark of the testimony. We know it and we call it now the ark of the covenant. But it was actually started out initially as the ark of the testimony. And there, there, it's important. It's very important that we know that. <clears throat> then he says, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. And you shall make two cherubim of gold, make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other end. And you shall make the cherubim of one piece with the mercy seat on, on its two ends. The cherubim shall have their wings spread upward, covering the mercy seat with their wings and facing one another. The faces of the cherubim are to be turned toward the mercy seat. Remember, Randy Hill spoke on some of this when he was here about a month ago. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark of the testimony. And in the ark, you shall put the testimony which I will give you. All right. So they're building this ark of the testimony, the ark of the covenant. And he's telling them exactly what to do and exactly how to build it. And then he tells them, and when I, when I give you the testimony, then you're going to put the testimony into the Ark of the Covenant. What was he doing? He was prophesying to them that I'm about to do some things in your presence, in your midst, that you're going to have fruit from these events and these encounters, and you're going to take the fruit from these encounters, and you're going to place them in this Ark of the Covenant where the presence of the Lord resides. All right? And then verse 22, it says, And there I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about, <clears throat> about all that I will give you in the commandment for the sons of Israel. Amen to that. I want to talk about testimony today, all right? And as God is creating this, this place for Him to live and for Him to, to inhabit, He says you're going to put in this the testimony which hasn't happened yet, but I'm going to give it to you. And when I give it to you, you're going to know exactly what it is. In Joshua chapter 4, he also calls it the Ark of the Testimony. And that's the last time in the Bible you'll see it referred to as the Ark of the Testimony. It's just in those, those it bookends from Exodus and then in Joshua. And then from then on, we only hear it called the Ark of the Covenant. And it's kind of interesting because you're like, well, why would it have a, a different name? Well, covenant is also a similar word to agreement, which is testimony. And, and what happened was the testimony came out of the wilderness. The things that God was going to do for Israel that was going to be put in, this, in his uh, abiding place, in his dwelling place, the testimonies that were about to happen, the events that were going to take place, the miracles that were going to take place, happened in the wilderness and they needed to be reminded of what happened in the wilderness from then on as a testimony for where they're going in the future and he's saying all the things i'm going to give to israel 
is going to be uniquely tied to the things that you put in this box. Are you guys still with me? I just want to set a foundation because testimony is very important. The Ark of the Testimony. Let's go to Hebrews 9 and let's find out what they put in there. Hebrews chapter 9. Verses 1 through 4. This is something we should, we should all remember. There's three items that they put in there, and, and Hebrews tells us what happened. Hebrews 9, verse 1. Now even the first covenant had regulations of divine worship and earthly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle prepared, the outer one, in which where the lampstand and the table and the showbread was placed. This is called the holy place. Behind the second veil... There was a tabernacle which was called the, say, Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies. And it had a golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold. And then it tells us what's inside of it. Inside of the the Ark of the Covenant was a golden jar holding some manna. There was Aaron's rod which blossomed and budded. And then there were the, ta- the tablets or the, the law that God gave to Moses. So he's telling them, I want you to create this ark of the testimony. And then I will give you the testimony. And whenever I give this to you, I'm going to tell you what to do with the fruit of these testimony. And you're going to put it inside of this so that you remember this forever. Why is this important? In Romans 8 and uh, another place in the New Testament, as Paul is teaching, he says that, that God, um, no angels, nothing present, nothing future, no height, no depth, no angels, no principalities, nothing can separate us from the love of God. As you read through that list, it doesn't mention the past. It doesn't say the, the past, the present, or the future can separate you from the love of God. It only says the present and the future. Nothing present, nothing in the future. No angels, no, no, prince, no demons, no, no nothing, height, nor depth. But it doesn't mention the past. Why is that important? Because when you and I believe in Jesus Christ and we receive His atonement for our sins, our past is completely erased. It's gone. And I've heard this story or something similar to this. It's as if we had a had a a, a sin that we we that was ours. I heard uh, Bill tell the story one time of he was just make he was like using this example, and he says, "Pretend in the past I was a, a pen thief, and I just loved to steal pens, and that's just what I did." And and he made it funny. He was like, "And I didn't like to steal the important valuable pens. I like to steal the cheap bic pens and the papermate pens that are just lying around places. And I just got great pleasure in stealing these pens." He goes, "But one day I felt convicted by God to stop stealing these pens. I felt like it was wrong, and so I came before the Lord and I said, "God, forgive me for stealing these pens. I, I apologize for living this way, and I won't do it anymore." So I took all the pens that I'd stolen, the cheap Bic pens and the papermate pens and the pens I stole from the hotel lobby and all the pens I stole from the church pew and, and I put them in envelopes and I sent them back and I made amends for the sins that I committed. I, I repented. I gave back. I repented for my sins and I stopped stealing pens. And then one day I went into the store and I saw a pen that I had never stolen before. And I was like, hmm, that pen looks really good. And then I start remembering 
my greatest heist of stealing pins. And so I left. I didn't steal the pin because I didn't want to do it again. I didn't want to sin again. So I went home and I kept thinking about how fun it was not just stealing the pin, but getting away with stealing the pin. That was really the fun part for me. And so I started thinking about that. And then all of a sudden, I started really wanting to steal a pin again. So the next day, I went back to the store. And I created the heist of all heists. And I stole this pin. I put it in my pocket, and I took it home. And when I got home, I felt horrible. I felt terrible. I was convicted. And Bill says this. He says, when you give your heart to Jesus, you don't lose your ability to sin. You just lose your ability to enjoy it, <laughs> which is so true. Because then you feel bad. Like, oh, the euphoria of the sin goes away, and now I feel bad. He says, so I went before the Lord, and I said, God, I'm, I'm so sorry I'm a pen thief. I've been stealing pens my whole life. And I'm so sorry for all the pins that I've ever stolen. And he says, God said to me, what other pins did you steal? Because it's erased. The past has no place in this. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Why is that important? Because when we give things to the Lord, it becomes a testimony. And that testimony is sacred. It's holy. It's redeemed. And it's no longer remembered in its fallen state. It's now taken through the blood of Jesus and through the cross and brought into redemptive purposes. This is why we can tell our testimonies of how God delivered us from drugs and alcohol or from stealing stupid big pins. And it doesn't change the atmosphere when we talk about our sin. When we're really forgiven for our past and we confess those sins and we repent for it, then when we tell people of our testimony, of, I've heard many people, one of my favorite, remember Isaiah Reed? One of my favorite testimonies I've ever heard. When I heard him talking about doing the drugs and the heroin and all the stuff he was involved in, I didn't have a desire to do the drugs and the heroin and prostitution and stuff he was involved in. Why? Because Isaiah was speaking of a past experience that had been bought with the blood of Jesus that redeemed it so that now it serves only God's purposes and it stirs up inside the righteous people only righteous desires. And we praise God for it. God, thank you for what you did in Isaiah. And thank you for all the people he's brought into the kingdom because of his testimony. And by telling him his testimony, we're not praising the evil we're saying, look what you did, God. You redeemed a past that literally occurred and you rewrote history to work out for your good. Testimony is a unique thing. It's so powerful that it transcends time and space. So when we have a testimony, so when they're in the wilderness and God provides manna for them every day and they gather it up and they eat of the manna, they partake of the miracle of God, they remembered that God provided for them in the wilderness. But God didn't want just the people that experienced it to remember what He did. He wanted to put it in this box called the Ark of the Testimony, the Ark of the Covenant, so that any time you and I go back in and read, come on, about the children of Israel partaking of the manna of God and providing for them in the wilderness experience, we get to tap into a history that God had with them and it becomes our history. 
And now I can come in and say, God, remember what you did for Israel and you provided for them? Well, I'm going into the Ark of the Testimony and the Ark of the Covenant right now. And I'm taking some of that manna. And I'm remembering what you did. And I'm saying, God, if you did it for them in the wilderness, when they rebelled against you and when they ran away from you and they even served other gods, you did that for them. Will you do it for me too? And now it's, a, it's an invitation into a new lifestyle. That's what testimony is. Revelation says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's a prophetic thing that happens. When Aaron's rod budded, you have to go read that story. It's in Numbers 17. Numbers chapter 17. Such a cool story. Basically what was happening was they put a rod in each of the, the sons the 12 sons, the 12 tribes, each of them had a rod in their, in their camp and they wrote their name on it and they went before the Lord and they said, Lord, whomever, whomever's rod blossoms, then that's who you've called to be the Levites, to be the priesthood, to carry the presence of the God uh, with them, to carry the Ark of the Testament, the Ark of the Covenant with them. And the, the Bible says that Aaron stepped in for Levi and his name was written on this rod. And, and when they came in the next morning, his rod had not only blossomed, but it also f- gave fruit. It budded with almonds. And this is a prophetic thing too. We, I don't have time to get into all the prophetic signs of this. But the almond branch, the almond tree is one of the fastest producing f- fruit trees there is. And so it produced this thing. And it was a sign of the priesthood of Jesus to come. It was a prophetic sign. So when the Israelites can look in the Ark of the Covenant and remember Aaron's rod blossoming, and it spoke of an everlasting kingdom that was going from now into the future of Jesus Christ being this priest forever, whenever they tell of the story of Aaron, they're testifying that Jesus is our high priest. He's the one that goes before us and makes intercession before God. He's the one that takes our sin upon him and releases us from it. And it's a testimony. So that when you and I are living in our lives, we may not have encountered that type of a lifestyle, but we can go back and say, God, remember Aaron's rod? Remember what you did there and what you were communicating through that? I apply that to my life right now. Jesus, you're my high priest. You're my priest forever. <laughs> It's just so good. The third thing that was in there was the law of God. Why is that important? Because he said that he would write his law upon our hearts. And David found a key and he says, Your word, O Lord, have I hidden in my heart that I will not sin against you. So you and I weren't there when these laws were transcribed. We weren't there when Moses read them to the people. We didn't live under a governmental system that lived by these laws per se, even though we do in our country. We, we didn't have personal experience with this. But you and I can go back to the testimony and say, God, your law is good. Your law is beautiful. And your law will stand forever. The Bible says that God has exalted above all things his name and his word. The Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will live forever, will stand forever. Why is that important? Because you and I can access the testimony and apply it to our current state. And what happens is we step into a place where there's no time and there's no distance between where we were and where we're going, but it's redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what testimony does. That's why testimony is important. You guys still good? Testimonies are not just good stories or good reports. 
It's not just a cool story. It's not just a news story where we feel good. Oh, that's so cute that God did that. It's like cute like kittens. It's so cute. It's not just a good story. There's more to it. <laughs> they are completely prophetic, redeemed experiences. That, that is an invitation. The word testimony means to do again. And when we tell the testimony of God, when we tell what God has done for us, what He's done for other people, we're creating an atmosphere that attracts Him to do it again in our lives. Amen? Just teaching on testimony real quick, and then we're going to give some testimonies. There are prophecies. If I'm in a situation where I need provision from the Lord... Then I go to the Lord and I say, God, you provided for the Israelites in the desert. I'm prophesying over my situation. I am declaring the will of God over my current status right now. And I'm doing it with authority. It's not wishful thinking. It's authoritative. Amen? These testimonies also belong to us. They became ours. Our test- Do you have a testimony? probably got a lot of them right remember them the bible says that israel their flaw it wasn't just that they rebelled it wasn't just that they served other gods the root problem that caused them to flee from the lord to do things they shouldn't do was they forgot they did not remember and they forgot what the lord had done and every time we live without an awareness of what God has done for us and others, we invite hopelessness to come to be the atmosphere we live in. So that instead of seeing every issue and every experience we go through, through the eyes of redeemed history, through the eyes of the ark of the testimony, we see them as we don't have enough or we have lack or we are struggling in this area. And we begin to process everything from a place of lack, from a negative past experience, instead of from a redeemed testimony experience. But when we do this, we invite, we eat, honestly, when we don't remember what the Lord has done for us, we invite the demons of hopelessness to come and minister to us. And they come and say, He's going to let you down. He's not going to come through this time. Maybe he's asleep and he forgot. Maybe he doesn't care about you. And these demons of hopelessness come and they sing their songs in our ear and they lull us to sleep with their poetry. Or like the Pied Piper, they begin to play their song and we begin to be pulled into hopelessness and we don't even know why. If you go through hopelessness, if you feel that you're let down, if you feel like you're missing something in life, this is what we need to do as a body. We need to learn this really well. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The things that God has done for me in the past belong to me. They are the items that he's given to me to put in my ark of the testimony. Now, where does the presence of God live? In us, which means we are now the ark of the testimony. And because that's true, I need to pull from my history with God and say, God, you did this and I remember it. (laughs) I remember it. I don't think that it's wrong to put things around your house to remind God of testimonies of what he's done. I heard the story here where this, this, this man gave away a very expensive watch in a, in, a, in a meeting. He just felt like God told him to give the watch away, so he just gave it away. Here, I felt like God told me, 
Here's this very expensive watch. Gives it to him. Fast forward like a year later. And this, this person that gave the watch away is in a service where there's another man ministering that he didn't know at the time. This man's ministering and, and going through the service. And he comes to this man and he says, Hey, God showed me in a vision that you gave away a very valuable watch to, to someone, a stranger. And he goes, takes his watch off. And he says, this is my favorite watch. The Lord told me to give it to you. <laughs> Come on. So this man that gave his watch away initially now wears this watch everywhere he goes. And he says, when I look at it, it's a memorial to the favor of God, the presence of God in my life. It's a testimony. I can look at it and remember. We've got a car at our house that someone gave us. They just gave it to us. We're trying to sell it now. <laughs> but it was a testimony. I look at it and I remember what God did in that season. It's a testimony. There are things in our house we can look at. And I can remember what God was doing in that season. I remember what you did there, God. Set up memorials. Put those things in the ark of the testimony. Hide the testimony that God has done for you in your heart. And when you're going through seasons, don't just save it for bad seasons. Just always remember, God, you're so good. I remember when you did this. That's why the psalmist David oftentimes would write songs where he says, The Lord is good. And they would shout out, His mercy endures forever. And then he would go down a list of testimonies. He provided for the, the, the children of Israel in the wilderness. And they would shout back, His love endures forever. And he would say, And he made way for them through the wilderness, through the river. And when Pharaoh was chasing after them, and they would say, His love endures forever. And then he would give more testimony. And as he's telling the testimony and their history with God, they would shout out, His love endures forever. And they would remember what God did. And all of a sudden, it completely changes the whole atmosphere. Because we remember that God was faithful, He's faithful now, and He will always be faithful. That's what testimony does. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Do you have family testimonies? Do you have family testimonies? Write them down. Remember them. Make them a memorial before the Lord. Amen? I say, it. This, is, this is good. This is good for us. I want to tell you a testimony, then we got a couple more. <clears throat> you guys remember when Randy Hill was, was here? It was about a month. And when service was over, he sat right here at the front, and many of you were still here, and we came around him and prayed. You guys, those that were here, you remember, we prayed for him. And what did, what did I say we we're going to pray for? You may remember? Finances, right? Finances. And I think we told some of this, but I want to tell it again. So we sat right here, and what did I do? I said, Randy... I don't know how, I don't know why, but we have a testimony at the bridge that God somehow always meets the need. We get checks in the mail. People will put money in the offering that we don't know where it came from. Seventy-five, one hundred dollar bills in an offering like we, we kind of know where it came from, but we don't know for sure. God just does these things. And I started telling him those testimonies. Why? Because I was wanting to invite the atmosphere that says he'll do it again. He did it for the bridge. He'll do it for Summit Church. So we lay hands and we pray over him. And it was, was it the next week or two weeks later? Within two Sundays, he's at church. And they're right before service. He's about to teach on, on finances and stewardship in the church. About to have a family meeting with the house. 
Literally, that's what he told me. And a woman comes up to him. He didn't think anything about it. She gives him an envelope. She says, Pastor, the Lord told me to give this to you. So he took the envelope, put it in his pocket, didn't, look at, didn't even look at it. Got up, had the family meeting with some at church. Says, hey, we need, to, we need to obey the Lord in our tithes. We need to pull the weight around the house. And he's just giving a family talk. It was good. He says, service is over. He goes into his office. He opens it up. And, and he says, there's a check in there for $10,000. <laughs> Come on, man. You guys, that's a testimony we get to be a part of. And he's like, oh, God, you're so good. You, you did it for the bridge. You do it for us. And not only that, they had really bad hailstorms there. And their building had a lot of damage done to it. And they were able, I mean, knows how this works. They were able to do some of the hail damage and fix the building. And they still had money left over. How does this happen? The faithfulness of God. Checks in the mail, rebates, discounts, favorable settlements. We say these things like, oh, it's, we're just saying it. it's kind of weird. No, it's, it's real. It's testimony. It's the spirit of prophecy. So they ended up being able to catch up on all of their debt. Come on, man. They got to fix the hell damage for their building, got to do some things they needed to do around the house, and they were set. They still had money left over because the faithfulness of God never fails. Would you say that with me? The faithfulness of God never fails. Why do we tell these testimonies? Because it points to how awesome God is. He's so good. He's so good. Kyle, will you come up just and tell us? A, this is a Kyle testimony from this week. Whoop, whoop. All right. So this may not mean much to y'all, but it meant a lot to me. So um, we all aware of the band Jesus Culture. So... I mean, they're one of the massive um, worship bands out there. Well, they had an event at Verizon Wednesday night. And a friend of mine said that she got tickets for me. I was like, so cool. I was going to go. I was happy enough with that, you know, for free. Um, Then the day before, uh, they said, hey, are you able to take the day off work tomorrow? Because we can... We're going to be like driving the band around and all this stuff. And I was like, man, if you told me a couple days ago, I would have. So I was all... Like, you know, the whole day at work, next day, you're like, man, how can I get out of here? Like, do I need to go throw up for something? <laughs> no, but but I got to leave a little early, and uh, I just kind of assumed that I was going to go to the event. Um, but whenever I got there, they had, like, backstage passes and stuff for me, so I got to go um, before the, the band played, and I got to meet some of them, and then... Um, I got to go to like a special Q&A session that they had that you had to, you know, pay additional for. I got to sit through that and just kind of hear the hearts of these people that I really admire a lot. And they, you know, they got to speak some things that were really helpful to me. Um, And then the the event was incredible. It was, you know, two and a half hours of some just amazing worship. And then afterwards, um, we got to take Kim, Kim Walker, if you all know her, I got to drive her back to her hotel. So I got to spend time with her and, you know, her kid was there with us too. But we got to drive them and talk to them. And it was a really, really cool experience. And it wasn't something that I asked for. I'm generally, like, really nervous about those things. And I don't like meeting people because I'm awkward. But it was really cool. And, uh, you know, I got to see um, people that have been really successful in what they're doing and that have the right heart. And it was a, it was, 
very, it ministered to me just talking to them for a few minutes because they were such incredible people. And then I've got one more testimony that I want to share. Um, and they're both going to kind of, you know, work with each other. I, I used to be uh, pretty closed off, and I can be still at times, but I'm really working on it. So one of the things that I've really um, prayed for with the Lord is uh, I want more friends. And, uh, you know, not just acquaintances, but I want genuine friends. Um, so I met, you know, my friends. It's actually Randy Hill and his family that, that got me into the Jesus culture thing. So that was a testimony, just meeting that family. Uh, great things have happened since I've met them. But also I want to share with uh, Stephen uh, Gauthier. He's been an incredible friend. Um, I've always wanted my own recording studio to be able to do it at my house or in my office or something here to where I didn't always have to go to his house and, you know, bum off his equipment, <laughs> and, uh, which I love going there. But so um, I got a new computer um, a year or two ago. I had some, a few things, you know, I bought that I could record, but it was really just crap. It, you know, I couldn't do very, very good stuff. I didn't have monitors, so I was plugging headphones into the computer. It just wasn't a very good setup. So he was at a place recently, and um, they were like, here, take stuff. If you see something in this room, take it. And he found a really, like, nice professional set of studio monitors. And uh, he took them, and he thought of me when he saw it. And uh, so he gave me those studio monitors for my studio that are perfect. And then he gave me the hookup on all this equipment that I got to, because basically all recording now is kind of done through the computer. And, uh, and he gave me like hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of stuff that I can go and do my own recording now. So it's a testimony to me. Allow people in your lives, not just so you can get stuff from them, but... I think there are blessings out there that we miss out on because we don't allow people into our lives. So God uses other people to bless us. So that's the testimony that I have. Yeah. So good. What he didn't know as well is, so we have our prayer call on Wednesday nights from seven to eight. You should call in the numbers up there. It's really easy. You can put your phone on mute and you can cook dinner while you pray with us. It's all right. So, it's, it's awesome. We want everyone to do it and join in with us. Um, on the prayer call, I, we, we were ending the call, and, I, and I, we prayed for Kyle at the end, about 7.50. I was like, Lord, I know that you set this up for Kyle. I know that you did this, and I'm so thankful that you did this for him. And this is what I said, Kyle. I know he wouldn't have pursued this, so you brought it to him. And I was so thankful, and, I, and because I know Kyle, I mean, we're br blood brothers, uh, I was like, Lord, do something special for Kyle. Do something unique for him tonight. I ask that you would do something above and beyond. And we're just testifying and praying. God, you're so faithful. You've been so good. And then look what God does. And so I just want you to see how community stirs up favor. It stirs up testimony. It stirs up the presence of God in our lives. I want to I say, dive into community. Dive into connections with people. Like, we cannot make it on our, on our own. We just can't. I can't make it as a husband without Mandy. She can't make it without me. We need each other. And, and it's even, it continues, the ripple effect. I need your family. I love the friendships that are developing. I love the community that's being stirred up in our house. And so there's something when that happens because now, here's what happens. Kyle's testimony now becomes my testimony because we're in a family. 
And what belongs to the family belongs to the whole family. So when we hear that Kyle got favor and got to meet someone that, that he would have wanted to meet and spend time with, now you get to pray. That, hey, God, remember what you did for Kyle? Maybe this week you're going to have an opportunity to meet someone or at your business or something. I don't know what it is, but you're going to need favor with people. Maybe it's you, Jacob, with your job. I don't know. But this week, you, you may have this. I may have a chance to meet with some people that can change my life for the better. Maybe it's you with, with the sales part, Tommy. Lord, you know what you did for Kyle? You're so faithful and so good. I'm so happy you did that for him. Will you do it for me? Will you add me to that? Can I get in on that testimony and watch what God will do for you? And then when it happens, you have to tell people about it. Because the more we talk about it, the more they happen. The more we tell the testimony, the more they happen. I'm just, it's just the way it is. It's so true. And I want us to get really good at the testimony of the Lord. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen? Anyone out there have a testimony? You want to share? I don't know. Never do this. Like, why not? Thank you, lights. Look, here, here's the thing. You don't want to come up here and share it. We need to share the testimony with somebody. We need to share it with the church, share it with the neighbor. So please, yeah, Amber, come on up. <laughs> Tilly's in your fan club. I know. Rock solid one. <laughs> um, no, last week we went to um, church with Ben Delatory, and I have a really hard time saying Sonia, not Georgia, so I was being protective there. Um, not on purpose. It's just natural. <laughs> um, but they did something called the cardboard testimony that I'd never seen or heard of, but people came up and it said um, things like um, drug addicted, and then they flipped it over, and it said what they are now. Um, and it just sparked such a hope. I mean, and I just sat there like crying because it was just so awesome. Like these people, you could tell some of them weren't even completely on the other side of their cardboard yet, but it was saying, I'm free, or I'm, um, one of them even said, murderer. And I remember gasping, you know, like, wow. And he was like, you know, sentenced to life in prison, but he was standing there, free and delivered. Um, And I just kept thinking, God, what would my testimony be? What would my, what would the other side of my cardboard say? Um, not necessarily like I know him and I know I'm free, but what would it say? And he said abandoned um, because just that day Ben gave me pictures that I had left at their house and one of them was of my dad and I don't think of him too often. Um, he killed himself when I was six and tried to murder my stepmom, but she made it. And lately I've just been thinking about that for me and for my sister. Like he tried to kill her mom and I never saw him as a murderer, but that's my dad. And I just was like, Lord, I never felt those things. I never felt abandoned all this time growing up. I just, people would even say, I'm sorry when they heard that. And I'd be like, why? It didn't, it didn't affect me, but it's affecting me now. Um, it's changed my heart towards the Lord for the better. Um, and when you said, ask him what he says about you, he said mine. 
So I'm not abandoned anymore. I am his. And that's what my cardboard would say. So. That's good. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he's good. And he's never going to let us down. So what did you learn today? Anybody? Testimony. Testimony. Your testimony matters. What? You're powerful. You have history that's been redeemed. <laughs> Your past can't separate you because this no longer exists. It's new. It's been rewritten. And then your testimony becomes mine. And my testimony becomes yours. We get to share in it because it's, it's in the arc of the testimony that we all can look in. And we can say, hey, I, I, I need that. I need that testimony. I need that breakthrough in my life. Amen. So here's how we'll close service out. If you want prayer, we're going to be here at the front. But I'd like for you to find someone, maybe your wife, someone that you came with, and just share a testimony of the Lord. And say, Father, teach us to honor the testimony and remember the testimony of the Lord. All right, will you do that? Kyle, will we just put some music on? We'll close the service out. Father, we just bless everyone here and seal what you're doing. Sir. So-